Welcome to the Irish Nurses in the NHS podcast series. 2023 marked the 75th anniversary of Britain's National Health Service. Since its inception in 1948, there was a huge demand for nurses as the new health service was being rolled out across the country, particularly during the 1950s. I went up to get my rota. Sam said, who are you and what are you doing here? I said, oh, I'm Marion and I'm here. I'm going to be your new staff nurse. Oh, OK. And I thought, oh, my Lord, this is going to be fun. An awful lot of people these days don't listen to patients, don't even go up to them and talk with them either. Especially these days, they go from a distance. You know, they're over there and the patient is over there and they're just kind of shouting across the ward. My main entertainment was afternoon tea mm. at patients' houses, mm. you know. But going to people's houses was interesting, um, you know, when I go for afternoon tea because grateful patients would invite you. I don't think that all that doesn't happen in nowadays, but in those days it did happen, and it did happen there. The active recruitment campaign launched by the NHS in Ireland attracted tens of thousands of young Irish women with the offer of free training accommodation and the chance to earn a wage during their nurse training. You go around the patients, the doctors come in, you can't, can't have a bedpan now because the doctors come in. Now, uh, when <laughs> it was like that, yeah, it was yeah. like that. There was a big bedpan trolley where you plugged it in and the bedpans were all heated and I spent a long time at the very beginning polishing and cleaning these bedpans and washing them. So there was a lot of people coming from you know, sort of the West Indies, um, from, you know, sort of um, India, Pakistan. And, um, you know, those those were some of the many culture shocks that, uh, you know, sort of this young, naive Irish woman um, experienced. In this episode, we hear about the different hospital patients that the nurses cared for and how these nurses shaped their own future careers. And I went up there and I thought, you know what, OK. Marion was starting her first job as a staff nurse in a busy surgical ward. She had heard so much about the very strict ward sister, but nothing prepared her for the shock when she called into the ward to get her shift roster. I went up to get my rota. Um, said, who are you and what are you doing here? I said, oh, I'm Marion and I'm here. I'm going to be your new staff nurse. Oh, okay. And I thought, oh my Lord, this is going to be fun. Indeed, it was the making of her. And I learned more from that woman. It was, it actually really, really concreted my nursing career because she took no prisoners. She absolutely took no prisoners. Marion had completed her nurse training. She was a newly qualified nurse now. But the real life training was only just beginning. It was very regimental again, but I think actually all the patients got superb care. Very, very regimental. You had to go around every morning, speak to all the patients. We then served them their breakfast. The nurses served them their breakfast. There was no helpers coming in. So they were served their breakfast, cleaned up, and then there was this board round. How are you? Did you have a good night's sleep? Have you had a drink? Da, 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 da. Then the consultants came and they were quite regimental as well. It was a surgical ward, so you had to take the dressings off, cover them with a the sterile towel. The only clear bit of my nursing I really remember, you know, when you said what question was I asked? Covered with the dressing towel, wait for him to come. As soon as he had visited, you were in there. 
wound was dressed. It was textbook patient care at its best. This was how nursing was supposed to be. And she was really strict about pain relief as well, because we did a lot of pressure leg ulcers. And you had to give them what was pethidine then prior to doing the dressing. And if she caught anyone, that's when you you knew how important your aseptic technique was. And I, I mean, I remember her nearly eating a student nurse. But I used to say to the students, listen, it's fine up here, but you need to work hard. And don't give back chat, because they said you won't win in your back chat. And this one didn't take any notice, so she got a footstool, as we had then. She sat there, and she started peeling the dressing, and the next thing I heard this absolute wage and roar coming out and I thought oh my god what's happening so I'm down and the student came out and she was all in a fluster and she was crying 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 sister came out she went into the office I thought oh this is really bad news for today and by she was still crying two hours later so I went to sister sister but we could let that little student go home what do you mean I said well she's no good here because she's just crying 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 and she said hmm she said no she can't she said they've got to learn and she said If they see that happening, they'll all start crying. (laughs) So it was was incredibly regimental. But in in a weird sort of way, when you got into the regimentalness of it, it kind of stood you in good stead because it could handle regimental. And I was so pleased when I finished uh, on that ward that I'd done that ward because it taught me everything I needed to know going forward. Margaret is from Wexford. She trained as an enrolled nurse in Liverpool in the late 1950s. She recalls her first job as a qualified state enrolled nurse. It was the start of things to come. And because I had background experience, you know, it wasn't wasted. And I was able to use that, you know, to go into a job like that. Because I had a, it benefited me really as well. And I said, you just do do your best and just go with the flow. And again, the way we were all brought up, we had manners and respect. Unfortunately, that's well and truly gone, but we've held on to it. And I'm old fashioned in so many ways and a good, good ways as well. But uh, we were all, it was always observant and we listened to people. An awful lot of people these days don't listen to people, don't even go up to them and talk with them either. Especially these days, they go from a distance, you know, they're over there and the patient is over there and they're just kind of shouting across the ward. And the observation was very, uh, you know, noticing things. There's never patients if they're upset or anything. You know, we'd go and have a chat with them and whatever. And, And then we were able to make a cup of tea for them. And I used to say to them, oh, great, one for the patient and one for the nurse. <laughs> but it was those kind of things. They haven't got time for even for the patients, to be honest. But I, what about as an Irish nurse in the NHS? Do you think that it was appreciated? Oh, I think like so. Irish yeah. nurses yes. being in the yeah. NHS. Because they weren't frightened to work and they got on with people, really. So it wasn't hard work for them, if you like because they probably got used to us all. And, you know, in Ireland, everybody got on well. And there wasn't there's so much interference now and too much going on. And this is why the national health has gone haywire. The whole country's gone haywire, really, which is very, very sad. I just say I'm glad I'm the age I am. 
goodness, never thought I'd say that. 81? 81, yes. goodness me. But yeah, so I've had good experience, good tutoring, good mentors. Everything was right for me. I learned it, it really did. And it but they were lucky to have you as well in the, yes, I in was the National with, Health Service, that's really. Right. Yes, know, the Irish yes. nurses are that's right. we famed, did. aren't they? Yeah, really. absolutely. We weren't fr- frightened to work and, and we mixed well and something, whereas, yeah, they said that the Irish nurses were the best, yeah. I mean, now they have the foreign nurses and some of them are good, so, you know, as well. But now there's like a, a language barrier for some of them, really, as well. It is hard for the patients as well. So it was it was nice to be able to be myself and to give what I can give through experience, really, as well. From episode five, we met Ethel, who had always wanted to be a writer, made a snap decision to train as a nurse that would change the course of her career for the next 40 years. Indeed, her patients went the extra mile to show their appreciation of that spur-of-the-moment decision. My main entertainment was afternoon tea mm. at patients' houses, mm. you know. But going to people's houses was interesting, um, you know, when I go for afternoon tea, because grateful patients would invite you. I don't think that all that doesn't happen in nowadays, but in those days it did happen, and it did happen there. Yeah, I mean, nursing can be very stressful, as you know yourself. Mm. But then it can be great too, you know, when, you're, um, when people appreciate you know, and you do get a lot of patients that are very appreciative, you know. You really do, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And did you think they appreciated Irish nurses in particular? I do. We've, we've heard that people really liked Irish they nurses. They did, they really did like the Irish nurses, they really did. In fact, what, yes. Why was that, do you think? I don't know, I think I think the Irish nurses, well, number one, <laughs> more talkative as well. Yeah. I find that impossible to believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more definitely more talkative, more friendly. Mm. I don't mean more friendly than other people, of course not, no, but I think warm as well, you know. They were, you know, caring. Not saying that others are not, but, you know, they were particularly kind of, especially verbally, more sort of caring and uh, just going that little extra mile, you know, for people, you know. Annie and Rita are sibling sisters, originally from Roscommon in the west of Ireland. Annie left Ireland in 1963, following in the footsteps of her three older sisters to Liverpool to do her nurse training. Then Rita, her younger sister, made the same journey two years later in 1965. Rita, like other nurses in our podcast series, remembers the hospital wards were well organised, ordered and strict, just like in the army. The wards were regimented then because there was a domestic and then there was an orderly who was a little bit more, they used to do some of the, the food and the cooking and the drinks. And everybody had status. And then there was, you know, the very junior nurses and the more senior second year nurses and third year nurses. You wouldn't really talk to them, do you know, if you were a junior. And then qualified nurses and then the sisters and then the matron. It was, you know, that sort of sister. The ward was run like a tight ship. The chain of command started with the ward sister who delegated tasks to staff nurses, healthcare assistants, orderlies, cleaners, porters and catering staff. Everyone had a role to play that was central to patient care. 
And when the doctors came round on the rounds and things were very different, you know, everybody had to, everything had to be perfect. It had to be silent on the ward. Nobody could make any noise. You're going around the patients, the doctor's coming. You can't, can't have a bedpan now because the doctor's coming. You know, uh, <laughs> and it was, it was like that. Yeah, it was yeah. like that. And, um, and you just fell in, in with their routine rather in lots of ways, never questioning, you know, why can't I, why can't they have a bedpan because the doc, blooming doctor is coming? But uh, that's how it was. But, you know, I was a, a big, strong girl at that time. And it was a female, I was put on a female orthopaedic ward. And in those days, most of them were on traction and Thomas splints and in bed for three months with fractures, pelvis fractured hips and things. And um, I remember as these people were getting more mobile, lifting them myself on my own from the bed onto the armchair and doing it all on my own because I felt I was a big strong girl and I could do all of that. The work was physically demanding, especially when it came to turning and lifting the bedbound patients. And there was the bedpan round with a difference. And of course, there was no such thing as lifting and handling or training or, you know, devices to help you lift people no. or manage people. And then there was this bedpan round. There was a big bedpan trolley where you plugged it in and the bedpans were all heated. And I spent a long time at the very beginning polishing and cleaning these bedpans and washing them. And we had a, a scrubby a thing that we used to polish the bedpans with. And a lot of my first time in the hospital was polishing bedpans. Yeah, I've heard it all. I've never heard of a heated bedpan. Well, it was definitely you plugged it in, and there was probably twelve on that side and twelve on that side a trolley, so the bedpan trolley would go out and everyone would be offered a bedpan, whether it was convenient for them or not at the time. You know, but a lot of the patients were confined to bed. You know, they weren't mobile, they weren't up and about, and everything. And they were sort of chronically ill, were they? The well, they were, they were ha- it was orthopaedic. Oh, right. So they were having, you know, fractures and fractured pip- hips, pelvis, etc. And they would be in bed for at least three months. At that time, at least three months. Um, and, you know, some of them had cancers and things that were confined to bed. And, you know, treatments were very, very different in those days. Yeah. I think that people trusted Irish nurses and they were hard-working and very willing to integrate and to do what was asked of them at all times. They were very reliable. That's, and I would say that was across the board. You'd never hear anybody say, this one was really lazy, you know, we've had her and she was lazy. Because that's not how no. Irish nurses are. They were workers and reliable, hard-working, you know, driven, weren't they? What do you think, Annie? They were friendly and they could talk to people. Uh, they would talk to the patients. I, I found that and they were, they were very friendly uh, towards... and. The, were very caring about, you know, small things, you know, like making your cup of tea or yeah, that kind of, um, and they sort of weren't afraid to deal with things like um, death and sadness, you know, they didn't hide away from death and sadness. Do you think other nurses did kind of 
shy away well, I think a bit. so, they didn't know how to deal with it. I think it had something to do with it. I don't know if it was still be. But, you know, from a young age, everybody in Ireland goes to funerals and they get used to of, of dealing with, yeah, with that kind of thing. Whereas in England, it's very much you nearly get invited to go to a funeral, you know. And I think because of that, they were used to dealing with sadness and death and they grew up with it. Mm. Yeah. That's a really interesting point because it's true in Ireland people are always going to funerals. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But here you don't hear people only go to funerals if it's like an immediate relative or close friend. Sir Annie's pastime, she goes to funerals all the time. When I worked in the nursing homes I used to go to, you'd, you'd go to people's funerals, wouldn't you? Around the same time as Rita was arriving off the boat into Liverpool, 18-year-old Bernie, another nurse, was travelling to the southeastern county of Kent to begin her nurse training. What she encountered was a blend of patients from many different corners of the world, suffering from a wide range of unusual and rare medical conditions. And the patients were EastEnders. I remember you telling me that um, well, they were un- the, unusual and uh, interesting. Were, there was a, a mixture of them, obviously, um, in Kent, in that um, you know, sort of in that corner of Kent, or that, and you know, sort of, you had got an awful lot of migrants, obviously, that had come over um, and worked, obviously, in all the factories, you know, sort of in Dagenham, and I know that's a bit fur- further out of that, but um, and then you had got an awful lot of the boats that came into Tilbury, and occasionally we used to we catered for all the infectious diseases that came in, and. Um, I mean, you know, sort of, you don't hear much about them now or that, but I mean, infectious diseases was a big, big thing then in the 60s or that. And uh, I can remember, and I wrote the article, you know, sort of Mrs. K, who had rabies, and he came off the boat um, from um, India. And um, I nursed her, I mean, we had a big, um, we had a big isolation ward or that. So I was a student nurse, and um, that was Mrs. K, who came into the country and I mean obviously she was in a very poor state when she arrived in the isolation unit in Kent. So we, we catered the isolation where they would take um, you know sort of patients from London down the river, down the Thames and um, you know sort of they were they were nursed there in the hospital. I don't suppose they, these things don't exist anymore. So there was that specialty that you know sort of they would have catered for that. Still Bernie was unprepared for the culture shock on arrival at her training hospital, a 900-bed facility serving Kent and the Greater London area. So we had the um, East Enders. I can remember very clearly of that. I'm sure they remember me. As, I doubt if they remember me as well of that. But um, I had no idea that the East End way of speaking was so different from rural Ireland. I couldn't understand a word they said, but it was a period of mass immigration. So there was a lot of people coming from, you know, sort of the West Indies, um, from, you know, sort of um, India, Pakistan. And, um, you know, those those were some of the many culture shocks that, uh, you know, sort of this young, naive Irish woman um, experienced, you know, sort of, these are the sort of things that, you know, sort of, well, people in my family didn't even know about so I mean they couldn't have prepared me for them and that so uh, I find it was out as I went along you know. 
Thanks for tuning into the Irish Nurses in the NHS podcast series. The Irish Nurses in the NHS podcast series is produced and presented by Gráinne MacPolan and Louise Ryan in association with the Department of Foreign Affairs, the Irish Abroad Unit and the London Irish Centre. In our next podcast, we will hear the women's stories about what it was like to be an Irish migrant nurse living and working in Britain. We would like to thank the nurses who contributed to the making of this podcast. <laughs>